I'm Olivia. And I'm Emily. Welcome to Backstage with PYB. That's Pennsylvania Youth Ballet, a dance studio located in Bethlehem, PA. We are so glad you joined us for our interview today. We'll see you backstage. Hi everyone, welcome back. We are so excited to share with you our interview with Darren McIntyre. He tells us about his dance education and career as a performer as well as a director and choreographer. He also discusses dealing with bullying, rejection, and body image issues. Hi Darren, welcome to Backstage with PYB. We are so excited to get to speak with you. Well, thank you for having me today. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you guys as well. So why don't we start with your early dance training? So what at age, what age did you begin dancing and where did you study? So I had a, an interesting um, uh, kind of introduction to dance because I was living in more of a rural country area of Australia. Um, Australia is where I'm originally from. Um, and so I, my mother was actually working for a dance teacher, um, like tidying and cleaning the studios and things. And so sometimes I was um, around the area and sometimes we would go and see uh, like the the concerts that they would put on because they were known, the school was called Parry's School of Dance and they were known um, for doing really big Christmas revenue shows in our hometown. And so we would go and see those. And um, the first time I saw them perform, I was like, oh, I want to do that. And so um, I started actually out with that school, you know, taking some jazz and tap lessons, um, uh, which kind of came in handy because at the time I was really heavily into drama at school and I was with the Players Theatre in my hometown doing, you know, drama lessons. And so the dance was starting to become more integrated into that program. So I started out doing the jazz and tap and then my teacher was like, well, you can do free ballet lessons, you know, if um, uh, all your lessons will be free if you took ballet, basically. And so my parents were like, well, you're doing ballet. And so I didn't know how I felt about that. I was 10 years old um, and uh, I kind of back then in those days you know the stigma around you know ballet was oh that's kind of not for boys so uh but yeah it was that's where I started and then eventually um that teacher left my hometown a year later and so I um I ended up joining a more serious ballet school uh Love Eve Classique Academy of Dance in in my hometown and um I had some excellent teachers there and they pretty much trained me all the way through uh until I was accepted into the Australian Ballet School, which is where I completed my training and graduated um, with a diploma in dance. So uh, that was kind of my um, dance history <laughs> as far as dance education in a summarized um, kind of version. So, Did you do any summer programs or did you just continue dancing year round at your well, home studio? In Australia, it's a little bit different um, to the US because um, our, our summer is in our, our Christmas time. So um, we we didn't really, summer programs are not as like the same thing as over here where you go away for your four to six weeks. Like over there, you most of our summer programs go for a week or so, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I did lots, you know, I went to a few summer programs here and there, but it was it was more of like a, you know, you go to another location for a week and do, and do ballet. So I, I never attended any of the US or European major summer programs that they, they have today. Um, it was pretty much those, those couple of teachers, which was Andrea Glenn and Rousel and Elizabeth Paulson Galloway that, that took me all the way through my dance education and until I got into the school um, down in Melbourne at the Australian Ballet School. And at the Australian Ballet School, once you're in there you 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 uh it, you're basically dancing all year like you're 
you don't you're not really supposed to go anywhere because it's the national school so um you've kind of mm -hmm. reached the most elite level for training in in australia so um yeah it's just a bit different um i i think the summer program system in america is really cool because it gives you that chance to go to a company and you know as a student and learn about them um and it's it's just really good because generally you know if you go to a the summer program and then you go into the second company that's a better chance to join the main company so it kind of gives younger dancers that opportunity to kind of experiment uh for that couple of weeks on location to get to know if that's somewhere they would be happy so um that's one thing that is a really great benefit about um the u.s industry is is that summer programs offer so so how did you decide to pursue a career in dance? Did you kind of figure that out when you got accepted to the Australian Ballet School? Or well, uh, is this something that you were just still thinking about at the time? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I in the beginning, it was I would say I was very just recreational about it. And I really did love more of the theater, like, you know, the singing, dancing, drama kind of mm. thing. I wasn't so into ballet. It was too disciplined for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I actually, um, I came to, I was just being really bullied a lot, um, which was kind of, you know, I was more in a more country area. And as I said, back in my generation, you know, ballet really wasn't for boys. So I actually steered away from from dance and I didn't think I was going to pursue it as a career. So um, I think it was around 15, um, I decided I, I wanted to go into tourism and become a translator. And um, so I started focusing more on languages and I ended up getting a scholarship to go to Germany as an exchange student for um, 10 months. So I actually, wow. um, yeah, it was an awesome opportunity. I, I loved it. But while I, my focus while I went um, over to Germany was primarily to, um, you know, study German and, and do my education there and go to school. And, but the interesting thing about it was before I had left, we hadn't registered myself in the Prix de Lausanne in Switzerland, which is a big international ballet competition. Um, and obviously I didn't think I was going to get accepted. No one did, but you know, at, at those days you, everyone was like, well, well, just apply for everything. So while I was, um, in the first couple of weeks of my, um, uh, uh, train, uh, my, uh, exchange, um, in Germany, I received the information that I was accepted to go. And so, so, um, I, I was like, well, I guess Switzerland's just a, a hop, skip and a jump from Germany. So I'll, I'll go, I give it a try, you know? And so I went down there and it was just a real eye opener and the experience and, and being around all those incredible dancers, um, you know, like the best, I felt like they were the best thing I've ever seen in the world. And, and also, you know, the master classes that we were able to take. And, um, and that's really when I was, I decided I, I was like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. Um, I mean, I always loved doing it, but I, I didn't really think because of the environment I grew up in and, and more of a smaller city location and also the bullying just contributed, I would say the most, but it was just, I, it wasn't something I ever thought would, I would be able to sustain a career with. So, um, when I was all of a sudden put in that environment where I was exposed completely to what the possibilities were at, at Prix de Lausanne, um, I was like, yes, that's, that's, um, that's what I want to do. And then my shift really focused to, okay, I need to now try and re audition for the Australian ballet school and try and get in. And then, you know, luckily while I was at Prix de Lausanne, one of the wonderful things about that competition is that 
um, you're exposed to all the big, big directors from around the world. And I got a few offers from different places around the world to, um, through the Prelude Sound to go to, to those, those, some, some of the, the affiliated schools. So, um, but I did end up going back to Australia because, you know, living abroad is very expensive. And also mm -hmm. I was, I was very young and not mentally um, prepared for like, I, I hadn't physically developed enough um, coming, I would say from the area I did to, um, to move by myself <laughs> across the world permanently. So I, um, my parents and I decided to go to the Australian Ballet School and I'm very grateful that I did that because that was really the jump start to um, my career. And um, I, I just, that's, that I knew that this is what I, I was gonna do. Um, I always really did think though, that earlier on that if I was to pursue um, a performing career, it was going to be more into the um, theater, Broadway kind of, um, something really connected with ballet or like while I was at the Australian Ballet School and then I ended up um, starting my more international career with that before I started pursuing going back to, you know, since then I've done some some things in other genres um, and that, yeah, I mean, I, I'm very grateful that I, I went to Prix de Lausanne and decided this is what I was going to do um, because that's now who I am. <laughs> so. <laughs> that, that's really an amazing experience. Yeah, um, it really was. Yeah. Could you speak a little bit about dealing with bullies? Mm -hmm. You mentioned a couple of times about how when you were younger, you were bullied. Yeah. I mean, there's no real perfect way to do. I think everyone's going to be, and it also depends on the situation, but it, I think just it wasn't really um, a topic that was easily discussed when in my early years, at least I feel um, these days, even though it's very prominent still in our communities, especially, you know, you know, with the new cyberbullying and all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that at least it's a topic of conversation and people are educating themselves or better understanding or it's, it's not, you know, sometimes back in my day, I feel like you would go and talk to a teacher at the school and say, look, this person's really being really hard on me. And, and they would kind of just brush it off like, because, oh yeah, well, you know, because I think that their mentality might've been, well, yeah, you're a dancer. So that's probably why they're picking on you. Go do something else kind of thing. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't, I'm not saying that that's how it was, but it really felt like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it, it felt like it wasn't an equal, equal size like an equal sided kind of situation um again you know maybe that's not the way it really was but as a as a 13 or 14 year old young male and and you know you're getting a bloody nose every day or whatever you know and and you're going and you're asking for help and people are just saying well you know there's nothing we can do about it it kind of makes you you wonder you know so i i think that at least people are talking about it now there are there are systems put in place in our education systems that are you know that are set listen to both sides of the story because I think that that's also important there's always two sides to a story and um you know and and there's also not just one person dealing with with the situation you know that the, these days there's a group of people that will come in and, and and assess the situation and I mean I as far as dealing with it I mean there's no real perfect way to deal with it I think just knowing um and this is more for the people that are surrounding people who are be that they know are being bullied a support system is just really key um to helping a person through a difficult time in anything and so i think if you see or you know someone's being bullied and there's something you can do to help them feel even better or just lift them up a little i think that 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 is key so i think it's just kind of 
as I said, I think it's just a, it needs to be, it's become a more open door conversation within the community. And I think that um, that's wonderful. And I think one thing came out of it, it really built me up to be a strong person and give me a lot of character. And I was able to um, almost grow up <laughs> an adult before I, you know, actually became an adult because I was forced to kind of, you know, deal with more mature situations. And so that was a, a positive that um, helped me throughout my career, I guess, from the bullying. So thank you to all those bullies that <laughs> made me, <laughs> made me strong as steel. <laughs> so, and look where I am now. <laughs> did you, did you think about quitting? Did it ever pushed you to the point where you thought oh, I'm just done with this I'm done with dance or you just love dance so much that uh, um, you couldn't imagine that I mean I would say on the surface to the public eye I, I quit consistently <laughs> um, but deep down inside and mentally and you know I, I always knew um, that I mean I always came back to it um, but sometimes it was just easy to tell people you you would quit you were quitting because you know that would mm -hmm. just kind of silence them but um right. yeah but i i i don't think i could ever stop dancing um you know obviously i'll have to one day but i i think that dance will always be a part of who i am i mean i i just i couldn't imagine doing anything else i think being an artist whatever kind of art form you're in um, is something that you're kind of born to do and it's kind of a necessity and you know yeah our industry is very tough you know it's not like you you see all these movie stars making all this you know it, it's not always like that no matter how successful you are there are there are a lot of um, challenges that you face especially fiscally and security wise throughout um, your career and um, so I think that it just really it, it is easy for you to have that mentality. I'm going to quit. But at the end of the day, when you, if you're really born an artist, it, it's just something you can't do because it's like breathing, you know? So for myself personally, I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Like it's when I'm happiest. So. Could you speak a little bit about uh, the stereotype between boys and ballet and how that has changed since you were first starting ballet to now? Well, it's, I think just back in, in the day, it, it wasn't, you know, these days we have social media and, mm. you know, there's TV. And so people can easily, you know, you're consistently exposed to things that we weren't, you know, communities weren't exposed to. And I, I think that, so the stereotype was basically because ballet can be a very art form as far as you know you you've got classical music like it's just really kind of upper class and also you know sometimes you will be seeing more lyrical um styles of movement and you know the bodies might be more slender as far back in the mm -hmm. day you know and and things like that so I think it just was considered very feminine and also mm -hmm. that kind of led to conclusions that all oh, you know perhaps they might be gay and you know in a country community and all those things you know that kind of back then that was also a topic that wasn't discussed or wasn't understood mm -hmm. so I I think that it's just I think through communication and through education um it's just changed um kind of these days because it's it's a conversation again you know and mm -hmm. people um it, it, there are a lot of things that are very at you know put forward um in in the news um these days and, and social media so people are able to whether you know you know there's that other side to well what's is that true and you know but you know i think that it, it it's just really nice that it's being exposed more um so as far as 
boys and dance, I think the stigma definitely was, and it still very much is in some areas, you know, um, that it's a more feminine thing to do and that can lead to, you know, oh, you know, the, he needs to thicken his skin and, you know, play football or whatever, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that, you know, but these days what's wonderful is that athletes such as some football teams or some basketball teams, they actually do ballet for coordination or for to learn mm-hmm. how to use their the jump, you know, the spring. And um, so ballet has now become cross-training um, for professional athletes in many forms. And so um, now that that ex- is being more exposed as well, I think that the, the, that has kind of shifted. Um, and, you know, in a lot of sports rehabilitation centers and things, you quite often see that there's a um, professional, you know, sprinter training or with a uh, ballet dancer and a, you know, professional football player. So uh, I think that that's really interesting that, that um, now, dancers are considered more athletes um and 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 that has shifted also the stigma around our art form that yes it's an art but they are exceptionally high elite um athletes as well and Mm -hmm. so therefore i think that 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 has helped really shift the stigma especially amongst the male dance community because um you know, for some reason, an athlete is is considered more <laughs> more normal, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. The thing with social media is, uh, not particularly when you were, uh, starting dance, but when there was no internet at all, mm-hmm. you only knew what your parents were telling you. So then, when you have this whole other like news and the internet and social media, then I think it gives people a chance to form their own opinions separate from their parents. Exactly. And I also think it helped um, kind of show, you know, it it exposed a lot about not just our industry, but, you know, all of a sudden people were seeing these incredibly famous stars that were, Mm -hmm. you know, and so that also opened up, oh, okay, this actually is a career and it's not just a hobby. And I think back Mm -hmm. in the old day, dance was very easily um, considered something that you just did recreationally and not professionally. And so, especially at least in Australia, that I felt that that was how it was. Um, And so that exposure, I I mean, that that, that generation and that technology basically has really helped the generations um, lift the game to better understand that yeah this is actually a job it's not <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a profession it's not just something people do for fun and and, it, and also it is you, people do do it for fun as well that's the lovely side about it you can completely just do it recreationally or you can transform it into a career and you know you don't have to make that decision necessarily so early on in your in your dance education you could decide later um, these days to become a dancer you don't have to do it um, you don't have to know, okay, at f- three years old, I'm going to be a professional dancer. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, do you have any advice specifically for boys who are thinking about starting dance classes or who want to pursue a career in dance? I think just if it's something you're passionate about, like if you take a class and you can generally tell after a couple of classes if you really love it or not. And if you love something, it doesn't matter what it is, I think pursue it. I mean, it, it's a dream and dreams have been not supposed to be put off because of what others think so um it's not going to be an easy road 
for anyone, male or female, the dance industry. You know, it's it's a chat. There's just there's a lot of competition, and it, that also leads to a lot of drama sometimes. You know, so it it just um it's I my best advice is just stick with it. Um, if it's something you really want to do, it's your dream. It's nobody else's. So you know, follow your dream. Uh, make that happen. Um, it doesn't matter what others think. It's very easy as a young mind to um listen to others and be influenced by others. And so I, I would say just really, if you feel like someone, if you love something and someone's not encouraging you, look for a circle of people that maybe they are more likely to encourage you and, and listen to their perspective as well. Um, but ultimately always stick true to, to what you want because that, that is what you want. <laughs> so. Very good advice. Um, so we, we know you um, because you uh, were a guest teacher last summer and you're coming back again this summer to teach at PYB. Um, I guess, could you speak a little bit about your teaching experience? And also just for my curiosity, how did you come to be connected to PYB? Yeah, no, <laughs> that I, actually, I don't know. I realize. Don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, it's well, I mean, I love teaching and um, I've always really enjoyed coming uh to Pennsylvania Youth Ballet and I it's I'm excited to come back this summer um I think um how I, I well Miss Karen uh your your director she um danced with Albany Berkshire Ballet and she danced Coppelia um with um, like she was Swan Hilder and, and Carlos I believe um Penuela who was um he's a really good friend of mine but who also was my dance teacher um on occasions ballet master on occasions um and he was her partner for France and um he was a regular guest artist with with you guys uh um throughout the summer and I believe at other times and um I know Miss Karen had reached out to him asking you know do you guys know um do, do you know someone that could come in and and, and guest perform with us and so that I have done a couple of productions with you guys, um, you know, Carnival, um, I played Harlequin, Harlequin and um, also Midsummer Night's Dream, I was Oberon. Um, and yeah. so I kind of just, yeah, and throughout that, that um, coming and performing and, you know, I also ended up teaching and it kind of just was a, I guess Miss Carol liked me and this, everybody liked me. So I, so, <laughs> <Yes>. I, <laughs> so I, um, so I ended up becoming a regular. And so I think this will be my fourth um, time coming back in the summer um and also i've was i've loved performing when i had the opportunity with you guys as well so um yeah i think that that's how i became involved and um as i said i love teaching i love all aspect, aspects of our industry my career has kind of been um i've i have danced you know some people take that route where they dance with the same company for their entire career and um i've had kind of a bit of both you know i i had some play i had three companies that I danced with, you know, for, for several seasons back to back. And then, um, but most of my career has been living out of New York and, and freelancing. And so as a freelance artist, you, you know, I got to do a bit of everything. I got to perform, do the performing guestings, but I got to do choreographing guestings and also the, the teaching. And so a huge chunk of my summer is always um, six weeks of, of traveling across the country and sometimes abroad to, to, to teach or choreograph and, and I really enjoy that. I've been able to kind of dabble a bit in everything, I guess you would say, and not just um, do do one thing. So that's kept it a little bit more interesting. But I think it, it, what freelance is a very difficult career. So um, 
I think it works better for some people to pursue being in that one place for the, their entire career. But for me personally, I've enjoyed that freedom of being able to, as hard as it was on occasions to make sure, you know, you have to be very organized to make sure you, or you have multiple gigs back to back and things. But um, I've really enjoyed that freedom because I love to travel and meet new people. And, and yeah, so that kind of gives you a summary of, of how I, about my background of teaching and etc and how I met you guys <laughs> <laughs> well we are very excited to have you back and um I I do actually remember Midsummer Night's Dream mm -hmm. and I just I, when I was thinking about it I, and that was a beautiful show and a fantastic performance but when I was thinking about it I thought I really can't remember the actual connection of how so anyway thank yeah. you for answering that no of course um, I had you for one summer I don't remember what summer and the three things that I remember is that we did a combination and we were Dracula and that was so much fun. And then I remember you being like, in one of the movements, it was like, pretend like you're bleeding, like tomato juice. <laughs> we, we were like, yeah, tomato juice. And then I remember doing a combination as a lizard. And then I also remember when you would like count us out for the combinations, you would go E1. E too. And I remember that that was so much fun. <laughs> <Like> e. <laughs> you yeah. left a mark. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's um uh, that comes from my my uh, teachers, I think, you know, because a lot of them were Russian um, from the Australian Ballet School and they would always go, E what? And, and I, I think sometimes those little <laughs> habits that your teachers have, they stick yeah. with you. <laughs> so, oh, I'm glad you enjoyed my choreography. So, and, and um, I always, I, what I love about what you guys offer in your summer program, which is a little unique to um, other programs is that, you know, you allow the guest teachers to come in and they have, you, they give their um, technique class, but then they kind of, uh, Miss Karen kind of gives you the freedom to, um, decide what the rest of the day is going to be. And um, because mm -hmm. I was, you know, so sometimes you guys get variations and then other times you get choreo like, you know, choreographic workshops and things like that. So um, I, I think that that's nice that um, that you, your Miss Karen students get that kind of variety throughout the program and it's not so, so I, I, I always enjoyed um, teaching the, the little bits of choreography because the dancers just seem to really love the, innovation of it and, and it was also nice to get to know their personalities a little bit as well. Yes, we definitely enjoy the choreography. So we'll be excited to see what you come up with this summer. I know. <laughs> I, I, I still haven't quite decided, but um but now you said Dracula, I'm like, oh maybe I could steal some more from that. <laughs> and this time I'm really gonna bring tomato juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Or> ketchup. <laughs> There you go. Yes. <laughs> Tomato sauce, as we say in Australia. <laughs> yeah. well, you have such an extensive performing, directing and choreographing career. Um, I don't feel like I can even repeat half of it. But do you have any favorite roles, any dream roles that you never got to perform? Any favorite roles in Nutcracker? Um, well... My Nutcracker experience was very different to most because in the US you guys do it every year. And so you guys generally start from, you know, being the little angel going all the way up to whatever the most advanced role you you do is. But pretty much when I first came to the US, I hadn't done Nutcracker ever in my life, um, except, you know, obviously learning the variations at, at um, the Australian Ballet School and Variations class. But I 
remember going straight into the role of the Cavalier. And, you know, since then I, I've done other roles here and there, but most of my career I've, I've been fortunate to just do Grandpa. Um, but mm-hmm. I've always, I always really loved doing the, the snow part because of the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that music just is so beautiful. Um, but yeah, most of my Nutcracker experiences has been uh, the Grandpa. Um, my favourite role as far as any role I've ever danced um, on in the classical repertory, Romeo out of Romeo, Romeo and Juliet is definitely my favorite. Um, but more recently, I got to um, perform in the world premiere of a new production in Australia called Banjo, and I got to play the role of Banjo Patterson, which was an actor dancer role. And that role just was really um, so much fun. And it was also fun to be part of an original role being created mm-hmm. for the first time. So that, oh, and I absolutely love the role of Captain Hook in Peter Pan too. <laughs> so that, that's also very fun. But as far as things that I have not done, um, primarily I moved back to New York before the um, uh, pandemic and it was after um, I had completed the banjo tour in Australia, the first national tour, um, and uh, I was auditioning for Broadway shows and um, my focus was to try and get into the Phantom of the Opera as the male ballet soloist um, wow. who does dances the Slave Master. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but and um, so that's a role, I guess, that may be a dream role. I wish that that's something that maybe I could could do one day, um, although I'm 41, so I, <laughs> I, I doubt I have too much more um, performing um options in me but that would probably be a dream role to be in Phantom of the Opera on Broadway if that was ever to come true that would be um, awesome otherwise it will always stay in my mind as a dream that you know that happens in my sleep (laughs) (laughs) yeah Phantom of the Opera is such a beautiful show because there's so many so many different art forms like there's a theater and then ballets incorporated and opera and singing and yeah It's incredible. I think I've seen it on Broadway. I'm not going to lie, like 14 times. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. I, I, I um, play the, the Broadway Broadway a day tickets lottery all the time here in New York while I'm here. And, and you can quite easily, like I've won the lottery so many times to go to different shows. And so you end up getting, you know, like hundred dollar tickets for like paying $25 to go to see the show. Yeah. So That's I really, so cool. yeah, I, I've been taking advantage of that while I've been living in New York. I play it all the time. So if you're a New Yorker or you come to New York, play the lottery because you can get great deals. <laughs> <laughs> what hobbies do you have outside of ballet? I love to travel. Um, so, I mean, I know that sounds weird because as dancers, especially as a freelance dancer, you're all consistently traveling. <laughs> um, but I, I I just love um traveling and like also as a you know for you know recreational um my own personal leisure um you know like I my I have a great interest like you know in the history of 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 things and you know architecture and things like that so I like recently I went over before the pandemic obviously I went over to visit Scotland um to go and see the Edinburgh Castle and those kinds Mm. of things and I wanted to know all about Mary Queen of Scots and so I I love that kind of thing um you know which during the pandemic has been one nice thing because you get to watch all the stuff on Netflix so a lot of my programs were always like (laughs) your rain or or you know the different or the crown and and those kinds of things like I I really kind of love that the those kinds of historical stories and um learning about that um I also like to Although I don't get enough time to do it, I really like to cook, but I, I don't think I'm a, a great cook, but I think that when I have more time, um, 
I, I do like to kind of experiment with that. Um, but as a dancer, you don't really have time because you're always mm-hmm. cross training or you're always, I think that, you know, so there's, there's not a lot of time for you to really have other hobbies outside I mean obviously you know you could be a reader you know those kinds of things but it is kind of challenging during that when you're in your peak of your career to kind of be able to focus on anything other than what you're doing um but it is not but obviously people have to have other interests too so <laughs> so but you you do become very busy especially when you hit that peak of of your career could you speak a little bit about dealing with rejection as a fle- freelance worker I'm sure you have a lot of experience with that <laughs> yeah it's um well here's the thing uh, as and all young artists need to understand that you know you're you're consistently auditioning um even when you're in a ballet company full-time you've always got the choreographer coming in the to pick who they want for their ballet um, you know, but in the really major companies, you have your ranks and generally, you know, those ranks have seniority uh, when it comes to casting. But, you know, so you're consistently auditioning, whether it's to get a job or whether it's to get a role or whether it's get, you know, whatever it, or to get into a summer program or to get into a school, to get into a college, you're consistently auditioning. So obviously there's going to be a 90 percent chance of that no <laughs> coming your way just because of the, you know, logistics and and you know the amounts of people that are auditioning for one position or or you know two positions so um you do hear no a lot um and so I think it's just a it is a real challenge because you know we're also looking at ourselves in the mirror every day you know we're always trying to make ourselves perfect so as it rejection is just something that is going to become part of who you are and but psychologically it, it can really make you feel pretty bad about yourself so um yeah I think that everyone's going to deal with it differently but again I think it's just being very um having a good support system whether that's your friends family um teachers a lot of you know a lot of dancers leave their early dance schools go on to their careers but the first person they're always going to call is their first dance teacher or their teacher because that person becomes like their mentor and their parent and so I think it's really important to not burn your bridges um, <laughs> when you when you're dealing with um, you know when you're in your earlier years of your career because um, there are going to be a lot of no's and I mean I don't even know how many times I've been <laughs> told no um, but you know you just eventually you get used to it I guess that that's the point in the beginning it's very hard I remember. Um, my first audition tour when I, um, after I graduated, um, that was very challenging because, you know, you kind of get used to being the best in, in, in your, mm-hmm. not meaning like I was the best at my school, but the best, you know, the best of the best get into the Australian ballet school. And so then we all compete with each other, but we're kind of on our own personal journeys and we're growing ourselves to get into the industry. So then when you go out in the industry, it, it's a real, a real shock because, you know, you're not just around those same people every day and the level is really high and there's, there's hundreds and thousands of people. So it, it can be scary and intimidating, but no, if you keep in mind that there's a place for you somewhere and that the industry has evolved tremendously and, you know, you no longer have to be a stereotype, you know, it, it's nice these days that there are different, you can have a different body type or you can be a different height or you can, you know, even the verse, you know, it's, it's, it's really nice that there's a lot of diversity happening, um, in, and, and that's a conversation too but you know back in the old day it was like well 
you know, <laughs> if you're not a specific type, you, you don't go to that company or, you know, if you're not a specific height, you can't dance for that company or, you know, et cetera. So, um, yeah, so I think that if you're told no at an audition, sometimes it could very well just be that situation. You know, maybe you're not the right height or maybe they, they need somebody shorter because of the lifting in the ballet or you might not be cast in something because of, you know, you can't, you, you can't execute specific requirements that are needed for that role or um, things like that. So I think that you always have to remember that the people, well, most of the time, I know there's a lot of situations at the moment happening in media about really harsh directors and them not being, you know, doing the correct things the correct way. But most of the time, the people at the front of the room have also been in your shoes on the other side. And so they do understand what it's like. Um, and so they're, most of the time, you have to keep that in mind. Well, they, they just didn't get to where they are first time around. Either they had to go through the nose as well. So we all go through it. I guess at that point, no, you're not the only one that's consistently being told no. Um, when you were speaking about like having to look in the mirror like all the time, <laughs> Uh, do you have any advice for dancers or students who are struggling with body image? Yeah, I mean, what is really nice is that this, again, it's like the bullying situation. It, it's a conversation that's happening. Um, and so people are able to educate themselves and know that they're, that it's a struggle out there that they're not facing alone. Um, body image, it's really hard to say because, you know, um, I feel like, in the industry when I grew up in it, it was very stereotyped and it was like, well, you know, if you're going to be a ballerina, you need to be this size, this weight, this, you know, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. And that was just how it was. Um, whereas what I especially love about the U S market is there's just so many genres of dance that are now taking shape in ballet companies, repertories. And mm -hmm. so um, I think that that allows directors or, people to now have I mean it, I, I, I've noticed in my last few, couple of years of my career it, you see people of all shapes and sizes and of all heights and of all races and of all and and that's beautiful and I, I think mm -hmm. that there wasn't something that happened before because people stereotyped the what was the typical ballerina um, mm -hmm. if you're struggling with it um, as I said know that there's a place out there for you um, and also don't take the rejections the the no's that you're receiving, they're not personal. It's not like made targeted just at you. It's just that you don't fit into the puzzle um, that, that particular time. Um, but it doesn't mean mm -hmm. you should give up or, um, I mean, you need to love who you are first. And if you're, I think that if you are looking in the mirror and you're not liking who you see, then you need to talk to someone about it and, and let someone guide you through that process to help you learn mm -hmm. what's beautiful about you and, and help you love yourself because that ultimately is, is it, nobody can love you unless you love who you are. And so whatever you look like in the mirror, um, you need to find a way to find that beauty in that. And if you are struggling and looking and seeing something that you don't like um, and you think that it's becoming consistent, then you need to talk to someone about it um, so that you can get help. Um, and that's not, and asking for help is not a bad thing. You know, it doesn't mean, I mean, you know, uh, it's, it, that's a conversation too. Mental health is, is everyone goes through it if they're in their life. It's, it's not a bad thing to, to have insecurities. It's normal. 
So mm. um, don't be afraid if you're feeling insecure about something to talk to someone about it because it's not, it, it doesn't mean you're a freak. It just means you're normal. <laughs> so, um, you know, and I think that that, that, that is the hard thing for a young individual, um, you know, looking at themselves and we're consistently being told we're supposed to be perfect. Well, what is perfect? I guess that that's the, the question. And imperfection is equally as beautiful as perfection. So perfect is what you make it. I really like that. Perfect is what you make it. <laughs> <laughs> um, more advice. <laughs> Knowing what you know now, if you could talk to your younger self, what advice would you give? Don't be a brat. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think... Um, I think it's very easy to um, fall into because you're so focused on what you're trying to achieve. Sometimes you you can forget to stop and, and acknowledge those who are helping you along the way. And you don't do it like, again, it's not personal. So I think if I could talk to myself, I'd be like, always acknowledge anybody that's helped you and always say thank you for it and always be gracious about it and always stay in touch with them. I think networking is a huge part of, of a young artist's career. And um, I think that just being, knowing that you didn't get there by, you know, you, you can't get there on your own. I guess that that's the point. And so also knowing what, that you, you can ask for help, you know, if, you know, for pe from people that you, you trust. But um, I think, yeah, that would be the biggest piece of advice is just, I mean, keep an open mind and always, you know, be grateful for any opportunity that comes your way. No big or small because I know a lot of people like oh it's just a stepping stone but that doesn't mean you shouldn't put your heart and soul into mm -hmm. into a stepping stone to get to the ultimate goal you know those stepping stones are equally if not more important um you know as you you know pave the way to where you want to be so never forget where you come from always know where you're going but never you know don't don't damage the stepping stones as you go <laughs> that's great advice yeah I, I think that people notice you know the the person who puts their heart and soul into the small job yeah um, that's the person they're going to look to to take on the bigger job exactly exactly there is no such thing as a small job is there <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. yeah I mean, we should, so I mean that's what we need to think I mean there are obviously lots of small jobs but you know they're, they're equally the path of how you get somewhere is really the foundation of, of who you become. So um, you, you always have to remember it's building you up to be, you know, for the success of where you're, where you're heading, but um, it's where you're at at the moment. So you, you need to invest in that fully. The investment needs to be equal on both sides. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. We really enjoyed learning a little bit more about you and we really appreciate all of your amazing advice. Oh, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. And um, I look forward to seeing everyone this summer. It's going to be another great year, I can tell. We're so glad you could join us today backstage at PYB. Please follow our podcast so that you never miss an episode. If you'd like more information on PYB, check out our website at bglv.org or friend us on Facebook at Ballet Guild of the Lehigh Valley slash Pennsylvania Youth Ballet or follow us on Instagram at PYB underscore BGLV. If you have any questions, please email them to karen.ner at bglv.org and you might be featured on the show. 
We'll, we'll see, see you next time. time.